This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. The 2021 NFL Draft came and went. The Miami Dolphins made lots of picks. Welcome in, everyone, to the Finsider Radio Podcast, The Jake and Josh Show. I'm your host, Josh Houts. You can follow me on Twitter, at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z. And I'm joined by the one, the only, Jake Mendel. Follow him on Twitter, at J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. Jake, may the fourth be with you, man. How you doing today? Josh, I love you starting with the Star Wars reference there. Uh, just be ready. We got Revenge of the Fifth coming tomorrow. You oh, know, nice. we really have to buckle in, you and I, because last weekend, the weekend of the draft, excuse me, was incredibly exciting. You know, there's a lot that happened. There's a lot we wanted to happen. Uh, but from now until opening day, it is going to be a slog. It is going to be so slow uh, trying to figure out what this team's going to do, all the different uh, paths they can go down. And I, I'm excited to explore them, Josh, because um, I think it's safe to say while the Dolphins did go towards a few different uh, types of players that we thought they would, uh, there were other positions that the team completely ignored. Uh, we'll talk about running back. We'll talk about the whole draft moving forward. Uh, but first, Josh. Safety Malik Hooker is visiting the Dolphins. What we're going to do here is we're going to go backwards. We're going to start with the Hooker news, and then we're going to go from our to undrafted guys to the seventh-round picks, and then all the way down, and we're going to end the show with Waddle. How does that sound for you? That sounds great, but I think, Jake, before we go any further, we have to uh, you know, give a shout-out to, I think it was a year ago, Don Shula passed away. So just want to say rest in peace, Coach. Hope you're up there with uh, our good pal Brian Byrne and my dad drinking some beer. So um, quick moment of silence for the Coach, greatest of all time. That'd be a fun table to be at. It would be. It really would be. They'd be playing poker and just uh, <laughs> drinking lots of beer. But Josh, like I, like I said, uh, the draft is just about over. It, no, it is over, unless we want to be talking about next year's draft already, which I know people are. Um, but, but before we get there, and uh, before we even get into this stuff, I want to apologize. I've been uh, basically stuck in neutral we haven't gotten as many podcasts out as we are used to so we apologize for that hopefully that'll be changing soon with all that out of the way josh ian Rappaport tweeted it earlier what were your thoughts when you were scrolling uh and your thumb stops on Rappaport saying that malik hooker was visiting the miami dolphins 
Well, Maddie Infante kind of stole my response because the first thing I thought about was, you know, this reminds me of playing Pokemon. Brian Flores is going out there and he's trying to catch them all. Every time there's a defensive back available, you know, dating back to his first season with the Miami Dolphins, you know, he brought him in and tried to make the most out of the situation. Malik Hooker, I think he's 25 years old. Um, we know he's a rangy safety. You know, uh, prior to the draft, you know, I would have been fully on board with that. I think even part of that article I wrote, you know, a couple months ago, what free agents the Dolphins should target. Malik Hooker's name was a part of that. But um, now I'm not really sure how he fits. But, um, again, this is like all the signings the Dolphins go about, you know, low risk, potentially high reward. And, again, you can never have too many defensive backs. So I like it. But, again, I'm not sure where he fits with the 300 defensive backs already on the roster. (laughs) Uh, He was drafted in the first round back in 2017 out of Ohio State. That means he spent some time playing with uh, Jerome Baker. Uh, and Raekwon McMillan, for that matter. And I had to think, man, that that was a strong defense, that Ohio State uh, D of about four years ago. That was that was an absolute squad. Uh, he tore his Achilles in Week 2, and he has a bit of an injury history. He tore his ACL and MCL in Week 7 of his rookie year. And, Josh, you just asked the question, so you're wondering where does he come in? And following the draft, I've listened to a few different podcasts, and, and the one quote I've actually heard thrown around quite a bit is, uh, a Billy Bean quote in Moneyball where it says, if you're forced to make a move, uh, you're already screwed. And that's what I think the Dolphins are trying to do here, not only uh, by looking at Hooker, but also by looking at the draft, by drafting a safety at the top of the second round, something I don't think anybody would have ever projected out of, you know, 100 mock drafts, right? Uh, but what we have here is we have Bobby McCain, 28. You know, we've been talking about, is he a guy they'd cut? Uh, we know how important he is on the field. We know how important he is in the locker room. Bobby McCain is one of the, uh, most tenured guys on the roster, 28. Uh, he would c- clear up nearly $6 million in cap space. We know the Dolphins are floating right on that line. Um, and we still, I don't think, know how much someone like Hooker would cost. We don't, I don't think, know how much DJ Fluker costs. So the Dolphins are really flirted with that um, cap ceiling. So that $6 million would certainly help. And then you got Eric Rowe also. He's 29. That would save nearly $5 million in cap space. Um, to go back to that Billy Bean quote, Josh, does this seem like the Dolphins are moving in a way where they're trying to pinch pennies? Or do you think this is more of a vision of upgrades? You're trying to find someone better than Eric Rowe or Bobby McCain in the form of League Hooker. You're wondering if he's going to be healthy. Or is it because, you know, if you can get Hooker for $2, 3000000 million on a one-year prove-it deal, um, signings starting this week no longer count towards the uh, comp pick formula. And on top of that, too, Josh, uh, you can save a couple bucks off the top. So, so where do you really think this uh, vision of you know keep finding these players? Do you see it as more just upgrades, or do you see it as maybe um, uh, the salaries playing a bigger role than maybe the team will admit? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, and I think you know throwing out Bobby McCain and Eric Rowe's name out there is very interesting. We've heard people you know mention all offseason long. We probably did. You know, Bobby McCain could be a cap casualty. You know, we can't even speculate what his leadership means to that back end of that defense. But you know, we're going to talk about the Holland move in what the second round I mean they brought him in here to be a reason he's going to be a starter eventually so at some point you know there's going to be an odd man out yes this defense needs three safeties how it shapes up I truly don't know but I think you know they bring in a guy like Malik Hooker 25 years old coming off an Achilles you kind of you know move him along slowly and kind of ease him into that role then maybe next year you move on from a Bobby McCain or an Eric Rowe I don't know how it plays out but I think again 
Um, I trust this staff to do what's right. And you mentioned it. He was a first-round pick. I mean, Malik Hooker was part of that awesome defense at Ohio State. I mean, this guy is no slouch. Just because he hasn't, you know, quite reached his potential yet doesn't mean that Brian Flores and this coaching staff can't get the most out of him. So uh, I think it's like all the moves we see. They bring in a guy like this, and that gives them that versatility to do those moves that you said. So um, I'm interested to see where this ends up. But, you know, this might not be a signing that we'd see until a few weeks down the road. Yeah, that's actually a point, too. We are kind of putting the uh, wagon in front of the horse here in the sense that I, I do want to ask, too, are the Dolphins maybe thinking of sacrificing um, veteran safeties because they have strong veteran cornerbacks? Is that maybe a direction they're going into uh, in, in terms of trying to save money or, or kind of just trying to figure out this roster, too, Josh? I, I'd love if they could put it... Uh, uh, put off these contracts until training camp. You know, I'd love to see all these guys battled out and the, you know, the top four or five guys, whatever it may be, make the roster. But um, I'm not really sure the cap would really work out that way. And I think that's the biggest question about the Miami Dolphins. Uh, probably until, you know, week one, it isn't really starters or anything. It's how the hell are they going to make all these guys work under the cap? Uh, Josh, and you mentioned this guy was good at Ohio State. I mean, that, that Colts defense over the last few years was pretty elite, and I think he had a big part of doing with that. Obviously, his rookie year uh, suffered an injury, but, I mean, 2018, 2019, he was there. Um, I, I liked the little bit of film I watched, and, and is there anything else you have here before we kind of jump on to uh, the most sought-after players in the league, the undrafted free agents? Before we move on to the Acorns, I just want to, you know, kind of mention to your point, that's a, a great thing that you brought up. You know, the Dolphins are paying two cornerbacks, you know, high-end money. They, uh, you know, Xavier Howard wants to get paid like the top corner in the league, and Byron Jones is already getting paid like that. So you can't pay two corners top five money and then still find a way to pay those veteran safety. So great point all around, and I think it's just something that we have to monitor moving forward. Um, I think it's now time to jump into the Acorns, Jake. I'm here for it. And, and Josh, I think, too, the, the big thing about the undrafted free agents um, I, let's be upfront. You know, let's jump onto the train checks right in front of the steaming train that's coming. You know, I mentioned it a couple minutes ago. This is going to be the slowest part of the off season that's coming up. And in that time, you know, people are going to fall in love with the most random players. It's going to be like Mac Jones all over again, right? Kirk right. Merritt, Kirk Merritt free... jumping on boxes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Kirk Merritt jumping on boxes is that perfect example I'm talking about. Um, and you know, we're already kind of seeing it. And, you know, this is kind of a hint of things to come when Barry Jackson tweeted that the Dolphins were so determined to land Middle Tennessee State tackle guard Robert Jones that they guaranteed him $130,000 per source. That's big money for an undrafted rookie. Since Jackson tweeted that, so many people are going to be screaming about how this guy's going to make the roster uh, probably from now until, you know, that week one just because uh, he got a more expensive undrafted free agent contract. I've seen that number thrown around so much already just by different teams signing guys. It's it's the market. That's how you know things work. Uh, I do have to say I wasn't going to get too deep into the undrafted free agents because we really don't see a lot of them making huge waves. Obviously, you know, players are going to can come out of that. You know, you don't do it for no reason. Uh, but I do have to say, Josh, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more, but I mean, Miami's depth at the offensive line heading into training camp, I don't think I've ever seen it as deep as it might be at this very moment. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's a lot of young players. And again, you're going to let the cream rise to the top and competition's going to, you know, get the best out of these players. It is interesting that you mentioned that the Dolphins um, gave him a fully guaranteed contract, I believe it was. This was a guy, Jake, I don't know if you saw the clip going around, but I think it was Penn State 
edge rusher Shaka Tony tried to do a spin move on uh, Jones at the Senior Bowl during practices, and he just absolutely annihilated this dude. It's a video that's going around, so you can see what type of player he is. I actually have the pro football focus draft guide up, and I'll read off some of the pros and cons they have here. It says, one of the pros is fires off the line of scrimmage in his pass sets. Says he has tree trunks for thighs, can forklift an undersized three technique, which I, I believe that's kind of what we said with Shaka. Uncoachable aggression as a run blocker. Offensive line coaches will love him, and he's a gap scheme guard frame. So it says he needs work with his hands and feet, gives easy access to his pads. You know, he's not a perfect prospect, but it's exactly what you'd expect from a late-round draft pick, and they actually gave him a sixth-round grade here. So he went undrafted. Again, a player that the Dolphins obviously coveted, and it goes back to your original point. They just continue to bring in big bodies, big men, and eventually, you know, they're going to figure this thing out. And once you get that offensive line built, you know, we're going to talk about running back. We're going to talk about how they hit and missed here and there. But, um, you know, once you have that offensive line in front of Tua, in front of Miles Gaskin or a Jared Dokes, it's really not going to matter whether or not they ended up getting Javante Williams or not. Let's go ahead and talk about that because uh, that this is kind of the point of the way I wanted to run about the show is because we've already gotten to you know talk about the offensive line and, and now we're talking about running back. I think these are two of the most uh, important positions for the Miami Dolphins moving forward, especially after sharing up the wide receiver position. So not Najee Harris, nor Javante Williams. The Dolphins went with Jared Dokes, seventh round pick out of Cincinnati. Uh, I want to start with this, Josh. Were the Dolphins, did they get jumped or were they just not willing to overspend at the running back position? Because, I mean, this is the second year in a row that, uh, you know, the Dolphins were quote-unquote blindsided by a a team moving up right in front of them to take a running back. Uh, Actually, that wasn't the case last year with the Ravens. It just happened. They were placed there. Um, But I'm starting to get the feeling, Josh, that we spend so much time yelling about how you shouldn't spend assets on the running backs, right? You know, we've said that whether it's trying to – sign Aaron Jones in free agency, whether he's trying to sign a, a guy in the first or second round, all of a sudden the Dolphins follow that uh, logic and, and everyone's upset about it. Can you kind of clue me in on what, what we're trying to do here if we're trying to have running backs but not spend assets on them? That's a great point because you're right. We all want that uh, you know prolific running back, but no one wants to spend on it. I think it's a little bit of both things here. You know, I think last year the Dolphins did have interest in J.K. Dobbins, but you know to think that the Dolphins didn't have two players in mind last year and this year, I mean that's a little bit naive. We see Ben Albright reporting that Broncos, you know, a lot of their their war room believes that the Dolphins had interest in Javante Williams. You know, we heard the AFC East execs, you know, congratulating them after they eventually did jump up there. But who knows? I think if the Dolphins really wanted Javante Williams. Travis Etienne, you know, Najee Harris, whichever running back, you know, you can name them all off. If they truly wanted one, I think they would have ended up with it. So Mm -hmm. I think it goes back to, you know, what we kind of alluded to. We got Eric Studsville here. He kind of built Miles Gaskin up into the player he is. They had to like what they saw last season. And on top of that, they come from that New England, you know, you don't want to say this is uh, the New England Dolphins, but it kind of is. And they come from that same regime that, let's be honest, they don't really put too much value into that running back position. I mean, I think they drafted Sony Michelle in the first round. Um, you know, what was it, Lawrence Maroney at some point. I mean, they don't really value that position much, and they can get the most out of the position by even us someone drafting in late round, guys, as we've seen. So uh, I think it was a little bit of both, but I think they're probably pretty stoked with Jared Dokes, and that, that rhymed really well. It was some nice. Dr. Seuss-type stuff. But, I mean, he is that thunder. I mean, Jake, you see it. We, I, you watch the highlights. I think he tweeted out, um, you know, right after the draft, he said, if you want your, if you don't want your quarterback to get touched, draft me. So um, you can see the highlights. You can see why there's excitement there. But, you know, fans should definitely pump their brakes a little bit because this guy was a, a late round draft pick, which Big E did end up calling. 
<laughs> and on top of that, I think it's important. I mean, Miles Gaskin was a seventh round pick. Uh, Ahmed wasn't drafted, right? So it's important to keep these things in mind too. Uh, that the Dolphins are really focusing on establishing the line and seeing what the running backs can do with with the stronger line. You know, that could be the difference in you know Gaskin averaging you know eighty yards a game compared to ninety five to a hundred. It it doesn't seem like a lot, but that really adds up throughout a season. And and who knows? That could definitely be the case for the Dolphins. Um, it looks like it's probably going to be Gaskin, uh, Ahmed, and Brown, and then you probably have Patrick Laird and Dokes battling for that final spot. Um, I mean, Dokes kind of screams at the start of the year on the practice squad. Uh, in case of injuries, we saw the Dolphins have to sign guys like DeAndre Washington, trade for him, excuse me, last year. So, I mean, depth is a very important at that position, maybe more than, you know, spending big value just to have one or two great running backs. I mean, you spend a first-round pick on Saquon Barkley, and, and you know, you see how awesome Wayne Goldman was last year. Um, obviously, that's kind of cherry-picking an example, but that, that's kind of the case we have to go on. Uh, Josh, you want to take a quick break, and we'll jump back into the offensive line uh, with another seventh-round pick? Sounds great, Jake. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are... It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And Jake, the next guy we're going to talk about is another big guy, another big meaty man, Larnell Coleman, the tackle from UMass. He was the 231st overall pick. He was a seventh-round draft pick. Only gave up one sack last year, Jake. I'm going to be... What a stat. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I mean, I didn't dive too much into uh, his his tape yet, so I don't really know too much about him. But, I mean, I think, you know, when you look at the measurements and you look at where you would fit into this offensive line and just as a depth piece, I mean, you got to like what you see here. There's no doubt about it, Josh. And, you know, you think about the idea uh, last year, and someone actually used uh, Coleman for an example of uh, the Dolphins. It, it might have been ESPN Cameron Wolf. Um Coleman fits that mold of a swing tackle, right? That that third tackle you'll have on the offensive line. And that's kind of the Dolphins use that quite a bit. I think they used it a lot more in 2019, but maybe it's just the, they didn't have the flexibility for it in 2020. Uh, I just really, like I said before, I like the depth the Dolphins are putting together on that offensive line. It's not like we're uh, crawling into the season knowing that Jonathan Martin's stuck being our right or left tackle and there's you know nothing you can do about it. These guys, you know, I don't care where you played. If if you can, you know, sit there and say you allowed one sack in an entire year, that that's enough. I mean, the fact that you have someone with that statistic falling to the seventh round, round, I mean, I'd be taking a shot on something like that in the sixth or even the fifth just for the sake of that consistency and, and hope it can translate to another level. I know it's not that simple, Josh, but I mean, 
Coleman for a seventh round pick, I, I'm not going to fall in love with him. I'm not going to say he's going to push Austin Jackson for that starting job, but I will say this. You know, Malcolm Perry was targeted 13 times in nine games last year. Uh, the usage wasn't there, but he did play some snaps. And Coleman, I could see, you know, you go on to um, our lads or something after a game, you're looking at snap counts, and you'll see him playing, you know, 7% of snaps when the season's over. I could see him having that type of rookie season. Um, if he does see that active roster, of course, that's something we got to keep in mind, too. Like the undrafted guys, we're not going to, you know, go about how these guys are the difference makers on the team. Uh, because that's not really the situation we're in with these guys. He does sound like the ultimate acorn, though. And, you know, to your point, the same five players that start on the offensive line at the beginning of the year probably are not going to play all 16 games. So, you know, to bring in a depth piece like Coleman, I actually looked up a nice tweet. It came from Travis Wingfield of the Miami Dolphins. It says, Coleman is pretty darn athletic. He ran a 5.140. He has a 31-inch vert, a 113-inch broad jump, and has an 84-and-7-8-inch wingspan, which I believe is the second biggest in this class. He was a four-year basketball player in high school and played defensive end in high school before flipping the offensive tackle. And Jake, I don't know if you follow Math Bomb. Ken Platt, he does great work. He does all those RAS scores, and he does all these. He has an algorithm that kind of pumps out, you know, where these players rank as far as athletes among the history of the NFL. And most of these Dolphins draft picks, you know, were among some of the best. So I think this Coleman, I think a lot of these signings are just athletes that can play football. You know, they're tough. They love the sport, and they're going to go out there and compete. And Again, who's to say that it's just one injury away from Coleman being out there? And he goes out there and he doesn't let a sack up. Next thing you know, he's starting the next week. Yeah, and, you know, based on his traits, I think he can also play at guard. I think that's worth keeping in mind, too. I think um, flexibility is another key for the Dolphins. Um, having someone like Coleman who can play a little bit of both uh, kind of frees up Jesse Davis a little bit more uh, because you do need those guys, those guys that you're slotting into, you know, maybe never start or maybe start two games a year, but they're good enough where you can kind of plug them in for four plays here, five plays there, and you don't really feel a difference. But once you see them in there, you know, four or five, six weeks, you're like, oh, man, you know, we really need some help there. So I could see Coleman being a lot like that in his rookie year. Um, Josh, I kind of like what the Dolphins did here, where they didn't have any fifth or sixth round picks. Um, but, hey, when you get five shots in the first three rounds, I mean, I'll take that any day of the week. Uh, before we talk about Hunter Long, um, you need to put a nickel in the jar because you said it's about to be a 16-game season when, in fact, it is going to be 17. That's something we're going to have to keep in mind. Uh, so, Josh, let me ask you this. Would you watch a buddy cop movie that features Hunter Long and Vince Beagle and the bad guy is somebody named Andrew Van Ginkle? 110%. And <laughs> you deleted that tweet, right? Because I swear I, I saw it and I, I was like, that is genius. And I like the first thing I thought about was just doing a Photoshop. So, I mean, maybe we should just devote a little bit more time to maybe the pilot episode of this because I think that'd be the perfect picture to tweet <laughs> out. You know, this uh, uh, get a perfect cop image of these guys like, handcuffing Van Ginkle or something. <laughs> Their names just fit it so perfectly, too. Uh, but, but Hunter Long, he went 81st overall. Uh, this was. You know, I, uh, there were a couple picks where the Dolphins kind of win against the grain. You know, they followed their own path, and, and that's kind of what I like. I like them kind of focusing on the future, not necessarily the right-now needs. You know, going back to that ability of being, quote, the second. You have, you're forced to make a move. You're screwed. So someone like Hunter Long. Josh, I want to say we kind of hit the nail on the head with this. Uh, guy, because we spoke about this on a previous pod when we were talking about the senior bowl, right? And Brian Flores being there. And, uh, you know, everyone was like, you know, this gives us a chance to see Devontae Smith and Najee Harris, blah, 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 blah. 
I never thought the Senior Bowl was for those guys. Uh, I think we kind of had an understanding where those guys were going to go, what their strengths or weaknesses. But it's those middle round guys where you get to see them up close. You get to see how they practice. You get to see that work ethic. And I think that's where uh, maybe the Miami Dolphins fell in love with Hunter Long because he did play for the Dolphins at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, and that's a great point. Now let's go back to Robert Jones, but I think he even said, I think he tweeted out, you know, I knew I was going to be a Miami Dolphin dating back to the Senior Bowl. So to think that, you know, their influence there and just to have an opportunity to not only instill their offensive system here, but to see the way these guys pick it up and to go out there and execute it. I mean, uh, this is definitely fits that bill. And Jake, I guess the biggest question here is how do you feel about the Dolphins going tight end? Because, you know, we saw the way the board was falling and we'll talk about the running back situation. We kind of touched on at the beginning, but we'll talk about that a little bit more there. But once that happened, I mean, a lot of people kind of thought maybe the Dolphins were going to try to get a running back at some point. They ended up going tight end. And when you look at this unit, I mean, Mike Isicki is a great player. Durham Smythe is starting to come along. Um, we know they have Adam Shaheen. I think I'm even missing someone in this group yeah, am i right there's two other there's two other guys who um, haven't seen the should i find you know the dolphins have a ton of tight ends jake so for me i really wasn't expecting the pick here but when you think about again the ties at the senior bowl and let's be honest brian flores is a boston college man i mean i'm sure he had all the intel on this and i'm sure it was a player that the coaching staff up there and the football team just raved about yeah, uh, Josh, I actually wrote a story on the Finn side of the other day, and I said uh, three questions regarding the Dolphins following the draft. And one of the things I asked was, how did we not see them taking a tight end? Uh, let, let's kind of look at the context clues here. Uh, both Gusecki and Smythe are in the final year of their rookie contracts, and I'm not saying the Dolphins aren't going to re-sign one or, or both of them, but it, it's a lot easier said than done. And on top of that, Josh, bigger than both of those contracts is the fact that the team set franchise records last year in uh, receptions at the tight end position, yards at the tight end position, and touchdowns at the tight end position. Yes, it was a little top-heavy with uh, Gasecki, but what they did do is have Adam Shaheen catch two touchdowns. Durham Smythe caught two touchdowns. And and Hunter Long is, is a pretty flexible dude where he can go on the line, he can block, but at the same time, he can also go out and catch passes. So I think in the red zone... If you can have three tight ends out there who can do a little bit of everything, I mean, good luck trying to figure out what the Dolphins are trying to run there. Um, You know, you could spread them out and then run it right up the middle and keep everyone off balance. And that's kind of what the key is in the red zone. That's why, you know, at first when, when I saw that, you know, Hunter Long, Boston, tight end I was a little upset I was a little you know frustrated like you like why are they doing this uh but the more I thought started thinking about it and this could just be me talking myself into it of course but it made a lot of sense that the Dolphins were doing this you know you don't want to go into a position next year where say uh has the biggest year of his career right and you just can't work out a deal the salary cap doesn't happen uh, the, the jumps in the salary cap don't happen quite yet, and you got to let them walk. You know, you don't want to have to go into next year's cl- free agent class or next year's draft being like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? This gives him a year to really get an understanding of the offense, if that's the scenario the Dolphins get into. Of course, I could see them living in a w- world where, you know, you sign Smythe on the cheap, you can get Kaseki back, and you do keep long around. It's a little pricey, but I could see the Dolphins getting mileage out of, you know, having three, maybe even four tight ends on the roster. And I think they're going to have to keep four. Yeah, and I think it's just a testament to, you know, maybe the offense we saw last season. I mean, we kind of joked heading into the year, Changela doesn't use tight ends. Changela doesn't use tight ends. And then what happened? You know, Changela absolutely used the tight ends. <laughs> maybe this is what we're going to see moving forward. Maybe we're going to see a lot more 12 personnel out of the Dolphins. And again, Jake, you're right. They're just kind of, you know, almost 
looking at things one or two years ahead. You know, Mike Kosicki, if he goes out there and balls out next season, he's going to want to get paid a lot of money. And let's be honest, the Miami Dolphins don't have those resources to give to a tight end, not when you're going to have to pay some of these other guys. So, again, it gives them lots of flexibility there. I hate to keep going back to this pro football-focused draft guide, but I do want to read off just their pros. It says he is an ideal do-it-all tight end size with enough speed to win downfield. He is a classic tight end with ball skills, thrives through contact, under control is a run blocker, not particularly powerful, but assignment sound. He said at one point was the focal point of Boston College's offense. Saw 17 targets one game. So that's like Brandon Marshall type stuff there. So, <laughs> um, you, you know, again, we joke, but maybe this was something we should have saw along because, again, right. it's kind of the way this league is shifting. And if they were going to take Kyle Pitts at six, you know, well, why wouldn't they have taken a tight end? You know, it's it's kind of ass backwards logic on my part, and I'll, I'll chalk that up as an L and. I'm going to be excited to see what Hunter Long can do, and I can't wait to dive into that tape because you know me, Jake. I'll be trying to draft this guy in all my dynasty leagues. Oh, yes, you will. Josh, they made another move at the offensive line. They actually traded up for a player. That's Liam Eichenberg. Uh, I think our buddy CK Parrott, I think he compared him to Matt Light, which I thought was interesting, keeping with those Patriots connections. Um, and, and a lot of people during the broadcasts of the NFL draft said, this is a guy who can really be plugged in and play right away. Uh, maybe he'll be the right tackle. Maybe he takes a guard spot. And and Josh, I want to ask you, uh, are the Dolphins going to have another, you know, how many rookies do you think are going to start on that offensive line? Because I can confidently say whoever we think are going to be the starting five right now on May 4th, we're going to be completely wrong come, you know, September what 10th or whatever it is once the uh, schedule is released on May 12th. Yeah, I mean, I can't even sit here and speculate. I'm going to, I mean, maybe, I, you know, Eichenberg's the starting right tackle. But, um, Jake, what did you think about this movie? Because they did move up, and, you know, we were sitting there waiting. And, again, I, I keep hating that we're going to talk about the running back down the road. But, you know, they wouldn't give up the draft ammunition to move up for a running back or any other position for that matter. But then they moved up for an offensive lineman, Jake. And after last year investing three pretty high draft picks, this was a move that, I mean, I, I guess we should have saw coming, but he has familiarity with the new Miami Dolphins offensive line coach, Lemieux Jean-Pierre, <laughs> because I, I took two years of French, so Lemieux Jean-Pierre, I'm going to assume yes. that's the way it sounds. But, you know, so there's familiarity there, and this guy is just a gym rat. He looks like Mr. Incredible, too. I don't know if you saw that. Yes. And he yes. threw out one of the greatest quotes. I think he's like, I'll play anywhere on the offensive line. I'll even play center. And I think Adam Beasley followed up with, oh, so you have experience at center? And he, he said, no, no, I don't. So, I mean, this is the type of players you're getting, you know, guys that are going to go out there and work their ass off. And he's pretty good in the run game, very good in the pass game. And, um, you know, however it shifts out, I'm not going to have allegiance to a Robert Hunt, to a, a, an Austin Jackson. I don't care what five Only players Simon are out there. Kinley. Only Solomon Kinley, as long as two is upright and the offensive line can open up those big gaps for the running back game, I'll be happy. Yeah, and I think it's worth pointing out, too, that the Dolphins gave up a 2022 third-round pick to move up. And a lot of people have been saying that the 2022 draft picks are like gold because everything should be, you know, quote-unquote, getting better to you're closer, excuse me, to normal, where you can go, you can scout guys, and, and you can get a more in-depth feel of a, the scouting process. So, you know, we, this is a move where I, I like the pick. I think he's someone who can come in and play, and, and that's really what the goal is. Uh, but when we're talking about how important picks are next year, and then you think of the fact the Dolphins traded one of their first from next year to sit at six, uh, think of the fact they made this trade uh, to move and get rid of your a third-round pick next year. But they did, we have to also bring up, they traded their fifth-round pick, and they're basically investing it, where they traded, I think, to Pittsburgh, and they're getting a fourth-round pick in return. 
Yeah, so to me, I mean, that kind of all just evens out. I mean, I know it's not the same thing in theory, but now they have two fourth-round picks next year. So you kind of see the mindset there. But again, um, Eichenberg, uh, pro football focus, raves about him. It says that he's outstanding at establishing leverage with his hands, quick to reset to low positioning. Uh, says he pretty much played a bunch of different schemes there at, at Notre Dame and is NFL ready. So, I mean, you're looking, again, pro football focus you take with a grain of salt, but when your run block grade is a 90.1 and your pass block grade is an 83.8, I mean, you got to be pretty damn excited about that, especially when you played at Notre Dame. So the Dolphins liked what they saw. Lemuel jean Pierre liked what they saw, and the Dolphins went up there and got him. So, you know, if you miss out on a running back, Jake, what's the best way to counter that by making the offensive line better? And, again, this was a player that uh, I don't know if you saw, Jake, but with the Dolphins draft overall, a lot of people are saying they got four players with first-round grades, so that's huge, and Eichenberg's obviously one of those players. You know, one of the things I want to find myself saying more and more next year is, that hole was big enough that I could have ran through it, and Eichenberg really fits that uh, mold to really jump in and, and help create those holes. 36th overall, the Miami Dolphins took Javon Holland. This was a little bit of a surprise there. You know, we're, I was a little frustrate, uh, flustered when uh, Javante Williams went right before him. Uh, but the more I kind of thought about this, I realized I would never be a good GM because I was uh, spur of the moment seeing those things happen. I was pretty annoyed. Uh, Chris Greer kept that cool head going. Um, he didn't panic he didn't trade up and waste assets to get a running back and and like i said at the top josh i think we need to accept the fact that maybe the dolphins don't value uh running backs to the point where you need to spend you know a first round pick where you need to trade up in the second round to grab one if one falls and you get that value at 36 fantastic you know we'll bring them in and, and we'll use them for four years otherwise you know going back to let's say 2010 you know the Dolphins signed Reggie Bush. I think that was a two-year, $12 million contract. Lamar Miller was a fourth-round fourth pick, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think he was a fourth-round pick. J.H.I. was a fifth-round pick. Miles Gaskin, a seventh-round pick. Like, the Dolphins aren't known for spending a lot on running backs, unless his name's Daniel Thomas. So I think we just proved our point there. I think that's really all we have to say for the fact the Dolphins didn't take a second-round running back. They learned from their mistakes. So let's actually look at Holland. The most interesting I've read up th about this guy, Josh, is everyone thought it was a solid pick at 36 overall. And then they said if the Dolphins start using him as like a nickel, as a slot corner, this pick looks even better. And that kind of blew my mind a little bit that for how strong this guy is as a safety, um, he can really move inside and kind of cover guys as that slot cornerback. Yeah, and I hate to bring up Minka Fitzpatrick, but it kind of reminds you of kind of that skill set that he has and kind of what was asked of him. You know, he kind of went against the green, and now he's in Pittsburgh. But I think the Dolphins were very happy with this. I mean, you touched on the Javante Williams stuff. I'll be honest, I was sitting there, I was very angry. But I think that's why we don't jump on here and do podcasts, because I don't know about you, Jake, but I was cursing. I was very upset that they mm -hmm. once again missed out on running back. But like you said, you sit here and you let things kind of – Simmer a little bit, and you realize the Dolphins haven't had a true ball-hawking safety like Holland in many years. And I think what you can bring him in and do, like you said, is he's very versatile, can jump down, cover in the nickel, can move back there and be a single-high safety, has that has that range to move sideline to sideline. I mean, again, this is a player that I think can do things that the safeties on the roster simply cannot, and again, makes, it, makes them expendable, like we talked about at the top of this podcast. So... Anybody that's sitting there thinking the Dolphins didn't have some interest in Javante Williams is completely naive. And anybody that sits there and doesn't think that, again, Brian Flores was an over-the-moon excited Raekwon Davis style when uh, Javante Williams was off the board, that he just got a free safety, that he can move around and be this chess <laughs> yes. piece and add that extra 
dynamic into his secondary, um, you're crazy. So I'm, I'm excited because I know that Brian Flores and the Dolphins are very excited about this pick. My uh, One of my dream scenarios is, you know, we saw Brandon Jones really grow throughout the season. Very fast dude who can play down in the box. I think he was very strong against the run. Um, man, would it be so cool to see Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor turn into Javon Holland and Brandon Jones, like the, the 2.0 version? I think that's like the the ideal scenario here. But, I mean, it is still nice to have guys like Rowe and McCain uh, up front there. And then, you know, you bring in someone uh, like Malik Hooker, and that just kind of adds to the that depth they have. And I think that's going to be really important, especially there in that secondary. Uh, Josh, for our segue here, I think it's really important to know, and I think we need to kind of put this on the back burner for maybe a year or two so we can come back to it. And that's the fact that, Brian Flores, Chris Greer, they selected the first safety in the draft and the first defensive end. So they got their pick of their litter. They made sure they got their guys. And we're going to see straight up, did they make the right choice? Because it's there's no, well, this guy went before us, yada, yada, yada. They got 1A in both positions. And that is, you know, we just talked about Holland and Jalen Phillips, 18th overall. Josh, how'd you feel about this pick? Jake, I got to be honest, this pick made me excited. I mean, this was the pick that if you asked me at the beginning of the draft, yes, I was kind of team Devontae Smith, but if I could have Jalen Phillips and yes, unfortunately, Javante Williams, that would have been the perfect draft for me. Both you and I took him in our mock drafts. I mean, yes, it's a mock draft simulator. Yes, again, he was the best pass rusher probably on the board, but he fits what the Dolphins need. He's that speed off the edge. He can set the edge. And he can make an impact both in the run and pass game. I mean, this is a player, Jake, that can, you know, play with his hand in the dirt, can also stand up, can play a little bit of Sam linebacker. I mean, he can do it all. I think the biggest question mark surrounding him is obviously his concussions. We know he had to medically retire there at UCLA. But the Dolphins, again, he's in their backyard. They clearly liked what they did. And to bring him in here, to bring that speed, again, Jake, this is something that I think in a couple of years, if he can stay healthy, we're going to be talking about this speed off the edge, like the same way we did with a Cam Wake and the same way we did with a, a Jason Taylor. I mean, this guy has the potential to be that type of an explosive player. I mean, you see people coming, oh, he reminds me of Water, he reminds me of Bosa's, he reminds me of these guys. I'm excited for this Jalen Phillips pick. This was my favorite pick of the draft. Someone else who really loved him was Chris Sims. Uh, he said he's almost on Chase Young level. He said if uh, Phillips didn't have injury issues, he said there's a legitimate de- debate about which one is a better prospect. And I can't believe how everyone's raving about this guy, how he's a locked in, you know, if he can stay healthy. Uh, straight up stud when, you know, Charles Harris was taken 22 overall uh in 2017 that's a four pick difference and, and everyone was kind of eh at the time of the pick and obviously didn't work out uh but i i'm just kind of impressed about how much everybody seems to love this guy staying in miami uh josh i do want to ask you too is how is that edge uh room gonna shape up i mean you got agba you got beagle you got van ginkle there are plenty of dudes competing for that spot at the edge how do you see jalen phillips really coming in and is this that a position he can take early in the year. We know, I mean, that's kind of a loaded question for the sake that we know Brian Flores likes to uh, mix things up, get guys on and off the field. But how do you see Phillips coming in and impacting the team in year one? Yeah, Jake, that's a great question. I mean, I think the biggest thing is the way the Dolphins should think about using him right away is as a situational pass rush. You know, on third downs when the defense is expecting pass. I mean, that's when you want Jalen Phillips out there to, to rush the passer and be that explosion because, again, Emmanuel Agba is great. You know, you mentioned AVG, Vince Beagle. There's other players there that can 
bring pressure off the edge, but I don't think they can do it like Jalen Phillips. So I don't know how quickly he'll take over that role. I don't know how quickly, you know, he'll be handed that role. But again, he's the 18th overall pick. I mean, they brought him in there to go out there and make plays. And I think, you know, talent um, has any say in this. I think Jalen Phillips is going to beat out those guys and he will be, you know, a starter late in the year. So I don't know that we should have these over the moon expectations. I don't know the fans should sit there and say, oh, he only has six sacks this season. He's not a good player because, you know, we see that it's more to that position. But Jake, I mean, to, to come to me, I mean, this guy, he, he kind of reminds me of the Kraken. You know, he has like tentacles for arms. He's just this big <laughs> dude. To, to me, I, like I just that. can't stop seeing, you know, Jadavian Clowney, if Jadavian Clowney could rush the passer like we thought he could come out of the college. So, again, I think it's an exciting pick, and he was super stoked to stay in Miami, and the fans are super stoked to have him. So he, he's going to be chasing down some damn good quarterbacks in the AFC East, and um, we're out for blood. And, you know, you look at their first-round picks over the last couple of years, and I kind of thought about the Phillips pick. Is It'd be really cool if he worked out like a Pittsburgh Steeler. And by that, I mean that the Steelers are always picking guys between 18 and 24. But it seems like, you know, whenever I watch them on game day, it's like, yeah, we've had this guy for four years. He turned into an absolute stud and we got him, you know, mid to late in the first round. And that's kind of what I hope, you know, we see out of Phillips, right? Is that guy where you got the the person who fits into your situation or your system the best and he just hits home runs over and over and over. I mean, I can't think of the last time the Dolphins drafted a guy late in the first round who just turned into a straight-up stud. I mean, Christian Wilkins, we could argue uh, both ways, and he's a foundation of this defense uh, for sure, but we're not talking about him in like the Pro Bowl conversation, and that we could also say that sacks do get you to this Pro Bowl, uh, but I mean, I really feel like Phillips has that opportunity to be one of those guys where you're like, oh, you know, they, they took Jalen Waddle at six, and they took Tua at five the year before, and then you're like, they got Jalen Phillips at 18, this dude who just had double-digit sacks. I would love to see that be the the high upside, the high hopes we have for him. But again, um, you know, with the injuries, with being a rookie, you know, having those other guys is, is going to be really important for the competition. It's not going to be like Charles Harris where you're just, hey, dude, we drafted you. We need you to go out there and play well. We need you to be that guy. And if they don't, well, we can't really do anything about it because we don't have the depth. And We'll say it till our face turns blue. That is the most refreshing thing that the Miami Dolphins are doing. They're developing a plan. They're trying to not get caught with egg on their face in a situation where, well, we got no one that can play. We're doomed. We're going to have to stick it out with this guy. We're going to have to stick it out with Philip Wheeler covering um, a tight end at the one-yard line. It's just, it's just how we're going to have to roll. Please, God, let's never see that again. Jake, <laughs> Jake before we move on to our, our first-round pick, the big man, Mr. Magic, Jalen Waddle, i got to ask you, with hindsight, everything you know into account that happened in the draft, at 18, would have you have taken Najee Harris? I don't know if I'm playing the results, but I'm I'm so okay with this pick. Just, just for the fact that it's blowing my mind how everyone's like, yeah, Phillips is a complete home run pick. This guy's going to be an absolute monster. You know, he, he checks all the boxes. He's a locked-in, loaded guy ready to go. I think a guy who can get to the quarterback is just much more valuable than a running back. And I, I understand wanting Najee Harris, but I think for the price of a first-round pick, getting that fifth-year option, I mean, paying a defensive end in the fifth year is going to be much more crucial than trying to squeeze a fifth year out of a running back. Um, again, I, I think it would have been a lot of fun to have Harris, but, I mean, just hearing about how much everybody loves Phillips, uh, I'm playing the results, I know that, but, I mean, I, I'm pretty happy with how it kind of unfolded 
Yeah, not to get too, uh, you know, deep down the rabbit hole here, but if the Jags don't take Travis Etienne, the Dolphins probably get a running back there at 36 if they truly mm -hmm. want it. So, you know, it's just one little thing here and there that kind of alters this whole thing. But I'm with you. You know, I sat here and I supported Javante Williams. I was very high on that pick. But when you sit there and you do these mock drafts, you know, yes, they're just kind of a game in a way, but if you take a defensive end, if you take an edge rusher like Jalen Phillips there at 18, you're probably not getting a running back there at 36. And I was content with that when I did the mock drafts. I was content with that when the Dolphins were on the clock there at 18. So I have no regret there. I do wish they maybe made a move there at 36. But I think, like you said, adding Holland in the secondary, adding Jalen Phillips that line, the Dolphins' defense is going to be deadly. We're really seeing the Dolphins create a vision. Um, and, and that's that they're using free agency to gather up this depth, gather up enough players who can go out there on any given Sunday and perform well enough to win. What they're doing in the draft is they're taking swings for those fences. You know, like I said, Holland, you know, you're hoping you can get some like Earl Thomas type magic out of someone like that. Jalen Phillips, man, you're hoping he's going to be a stud for 10, 15 years. You don't see that hit the free agent market ever, right? You know, whenever someone hits the free agent market, there's some sort of doubts, there's some sort of concerns. Um, you know, you look at Clowney just signing, you know, the, you think of the injuries in the past. You want to get a guy who you can pay for 15 years. And, and Phillips, there's the concerns, there's the boom-bust aspect, but that's what the draft's all about. That's how you make a game or, you know, playoff, I guess, defining uh, moves. You don't take someone like Charles Harris and have to sit there with it and say it was the quote-unquote safe pick. We had to take this guy, yada, yada. Uh, Phillips... It's an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity to see someone really uh, shine. So let's take a quick break here, and we'll end the show with Miami's first pick, number six overall, Jalen Waddle. So stay tuned. With the sixth pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Jalen Waddle. Jake, I don't know about you, man, but when I was sitting there, I did not expect Jalen Waddle's name to be called, and shame on me because last week's episode – we had the one and the only Matthew Kanata on this show, and he did say that he believed the Miami Dolphins were leaning Jalen Waddle if a Kyle Pitts wasn't there, if a Jamar Chase wasn't there. So, Jake, I, I'll talk about how I feel about the Jalen Waddle pick, but run me through your thoughts, you know, heading into that pick, you know, seeing uh, from Cincinnati going on the clock to then transitioning into Miami's pick. What were your thoughts, and what did you think after the Dolphins did take Jalen Waddle sixth overall? I think some people are going to hate this, but something I kind of sort of believe is that the Dolphins wanted to stay in front of the Panthers just in case anything could happen with a quarterback in terms of trades. Um, so I understand them moving back up to six, but with how everything played up, played out, I kind of wish they stayed at 12. Uh, with that being said, I think Waddle is an ideal player to have on paired with Tua I already see non-stop at nauseum uh, Tyree Kill comparisons and I think it's important to keep in mind that the Dolphins are going to spread the ball out a lot and you know I, I saw Armando already saying that Tyree Kill's worst year he had seven touchdowns and last year Miami's best receiver Mike Gusecki had six touchdowns um, so I, I think we we need to pump the brakes on and thinking like that right because what we see here developing Miami's offense one is that there's going to be a purge at the receiver position with how many guys they have there. It's it's insane. Uh, but two, what we're, what the Dolphins' offense has now created is a situation where Tua just has to do what he does best, make the right reads, and somebody's going to make a game-changing play, whether it's Will Fuller, uh, Devontae Parker, Jalen Waddell. They just have such a dynamic group that can do so many different things. They can attack you in so many different ways. And, and that's where I, I think we're going to have to really 
see how well our offensive coordinator duo does with the route trees, with getting guys the ball and, and putting it in a situation where you make one guy miss and then you can go for 20 yards. And then even then, if you know, you make a second guy miss, you have a touchdown. Um, you know, we could argue back and forth about, uh, where the Dolphins are trying to attack on offense, whether, you know, it's the dink and dunk, whether it's, you know, the ground and pound, faking some screens, uh, some RPOs. But it's important to keep in mind that there were a couple of passes to Jakeem Grant last year that were right in his basket or relatively close that just didn't work out and it wasn't to his fault. You draft Jalen Waddle to make sure that those balls are caught, that not only those balls are caught, but you're doing something with that ball in your hands. And, you know, it. I think the expectations are high when you take someone like that at the top six. Um, I, it's going to be a little frustrating that we're going to have to compare him to, you know, Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts and wonder, you know, the what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. Uh, but when it's all said and done, I mean, there's no more excuses for Tua, right? This, this is a absolutely stacked room, and it's crazy what, what 18 months can do to a wide receiving group. It really is, and I think that hypothetical, you know, what should the Dolphins say at number 12, I think that's an interesting debate, and I think that's something, you know, if you were Team Devontae Smith, obviously you might have rather stayed there at 12 and kept that later first-round pick. The Dolphins didn't do that. They felt like Jalen Waddle was that dynamic playmaker. I mean, I think it was Albert Breer or Ian Rapport. One of them came out and said, you know, this was the number one offensive player behind Trevor Lawrence on the draft board. You know, whether or not that's true, whether or not they're just saying that because they missed out on Pitts and Jamar Chase, I truly don't know. But, um, you know, to bring in a player like Jalen Waddle, I wrote an article for the Finn Sider day. I, I tweeted it out. You know, this is the most electrifying oh, yes. player the Miami Dolphins ever had. The title was actually this might be, but I, I wanted to ruffle some feathers. But I, I think it really is. You know, people like to say, Ted Ginn, oh, you remember him? You know, Jakeem Grant, Clyde Gates. I don't think they were ever the type of wide receiver that Jalen Waddle is. This is a guy who, again, you get the ball in his hands and good things happen. Jake, you mentioned Tyree Kill. You would love to hear that comp, but at the same time, like you said, people need to take a step back. I don't know how it's going to play out. I don't know, you know, how the Dolphins are going to go forward with this receiving core. I mean, like you said, there's a purge coming. We don't even know how this final roster is going to look. But when all things are said and done, I think Jalen Waddle is going to be a difference maker in the slot. He proved last season he could play a little bit on the outside. I think 92 of his 242 snaps were out wide, so he does have some experience there. But, Jake, when you're looking at the film last year and you see Tua throwing those deep passes and his receivers not coming down with the football, that is the opposite of what Jalen Waddle does. I think he had a 100% contested catch rate, according to Pro Football wow. Focus. We see him going up there and making the ball. Yes, he's five foot ten. Yes, he's 182 pounds. Yes, you got to have some concerns about him taking those hits at the next level. But, again, this is one of those players that Dolphin fans dreamed about, honestly. And just, you know, we talk about Madden. I can't freaking wait, man, to get new man and just have, you know, Jalen Wilde just going out there, just cheesing all over everyone, man. And that's how it's going to be in real life. You know, how do you con- how do you stop a team that has Devontae Parker, you know, a, a healthy Preston Williams on the outside? Then you got Mike Gusecki in there, and then you have Jalen Waddle working underneath, taking the top off defenses. I mean, I don't know how they're well. – And Will Ful- I, I didn't even mention Will Ford. Shame <laughs> on me. I mean, I mean that, is, that is just how dynamic this offense is and a testament to just how – much they did, you know, low-key how much they did over the course of how many months to get this unit where it's at. Would you have them returning kicks? I mean, I was upset about Preston Williams doing it, but I think, that was more, I think that was more about him being a six-foot-five guy that really is never going to take one to the house. I mean, that's the opposite of what Jalen Waddell is, and I mean, mm-hmm. I think he's going to be in Brian Flores' ear, you know, in the coach's ear trying to get out there because 
he, he is one of those players like you saw with Deshaun Jackson. I don't know about you, Jake, but I can always go back to that game against the Giants, Giants where I think he had yeah. that walk-off punt return. And I, I was just thinking about what would happen if Jalen Waddle did that in a meaningful game, and it, it just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> Overall, I mean, I, I am very, very intrigued to see what this uh, receiving group's going to look like. And, and I have to say, I don't think I'm going to touch a single one of these guys in fantasy. Um, you know, I, maybe if one of them's there as a flyer in the last round. But, I mean, I see a group where on any given week, I think everybody's going to get, you know, 40 to 60 receiving yards. And I think that's going to be fantastic for the offense they're trying to put together with Tua. Do you think they do need to scheme him touches, though? Because that was something that uh, a lot of responses to my to my videos were, yeah, I see a lot of bubble screens and a lot of, you know, they're scheming ways for him to get the football. Do you think the Dolphins have to do that? Because in a way, I think if you're using the sixth overall pick, if you had envisioned, you know, Jalen Waddle to come to the NFL and be Jalen Waddle, you have to involve him in some of that pre-snap stuff. you got to find ways to give him the ball with those jet sweeps. So I do think, like, like you said, they're going to spread the ball around, but – you know, we saw a little bit last year when they lined Limbo out in the backfield and, you know, Malcolm Perry a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. I want to see Jalen Waddle doing that, and I want to see him get the ball in space and let him work his magic. That's kind of the interesting part, too, because you, you go I go back to the Phillips pick where, you know, you can kind of build him along, and it's not going to be like a Charles Harris where it's like, you know, you're poking him with the stick and saying, do something. You know, you're not going to be like, Jalen Waddle, please save the day. And I think that's why you can scheme him touches is because otherwise, you know, he might not see some just because uh, Devontae Parker's on some cornerback who just straight up can't compete with him. I think we saw that in a couple of games last year where, where two have realized, like, all right, like, Devontae's balling, so I can keep giving him the ball. So I think that's going to be interesting where – they're going to scheme him plays. There's no doubt about it. But it's also going to have to see how that game plan's going. And if some guy's eating, you know, you just kind of got to keep feeding him. Great point. I think that's what this coaching staff will do. And, again, it's going to be interesting to see the way plays are called. I can't wait to see what gods in Studsville draw up with this offensive unit because, again, it's something straight out of a video game. You're 100% right, Josh. And I think this is a good time to bring this up as an idea is um, – Let's start this week. You want? Let, I'd say we do the book club. We get really detailed into how all these guys impact the roster, how they impact the 11 guys on the field. So I think starting this week, we should do uh, stick with our two shows a week, and, and each week we do a book club on a draft pick. We can start with Waddle and, and go down, or we can start at the seventh riders and go up. Josh, dealer's choice, what would you like to do? I say we start with Waddle. I think that's a fantastic idea, and – you know, if you're interested in that, if you want to continue to hear what we have to offer here, make sure you smash that subscribe button. Make sure you leave us a five-star review or any review. Make sure you follow Jake on Twitter at J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. Follow me at Houts. Jake, I don't know about you, man, but I'm just so happy that the draft came and went, that the Miami Dolphins did what they did. And to be honest, I mean, they are getting rave reviews. I mean, everybody that's giving out draft grades, yes, it's so stupid to give them out, you know, what, three days after it happened, but... Let's be honest, what the Miami Dolphins did was an absolute home run, and it's unlike anything we've seen in years. There's four months until the season. Stick with us, and we will have you prepared for everything Dolphins-related come the kickoff of week one of the 2021 NFL season. For the Jake and Josh Show, I am Jake. Thank you guys so much for listening. We're looking forward to seeing you next time, and most importantly, fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl.
Cause we're the Miami Dolphins. 